Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to Deep Water. The last few weeks we've been discussing uh, some controversial issues. I'm going to continue that this week. Uh, I thought about titling this one, um, Death and Taxes, or maybe Death from Taxes. And uh, you're probably guessing, yes, it's about uh, paying taxes, especially for those of you who are in the United States, although this would really apply in most countries as far as my research is um, what I've found. Um, and here's what this boils down to for me. And I'm going to start, start it with this and I'm going to end it with this. Do you vote for what is best for all Americans and the country of America? Or do you vote for what is best for you, even if it is to the detriment of other people. And uh, I'll get on that more at the end, but it's, it's, I think most of these controversial issues have underlying spiritual issues. You know, we know about the laws of nature, gravity, inertia, um, a body in motion, stays in motion until something acts on it with enough power to change it. And if that happens for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. Those are Newton's three laws of motions, which are basically the laws of the universe um, and, and everything we see in nature, which is uh, action-reaction, stimulus-response, uh, you reap what you sow, law of attraction, karma, all of those work by natural law, okay? Uh, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad, all right? But in most of these natural things we confront in our life, there's an underlying spiritual principle. And most people that I have worked with, 
they think about the natural consequences of their actions. You know, they would never walk off a um, 20-foot high um, ledge or anything. They wouldn't take, you know, a, a bottle full of sleeping pills, all right, but because they fear natural consequences. Or maybe for the sake of this conversation, they respect natural consequences, okay? And they don't go around every day saying, that dadgum gravity, man, all the stuff I could do if it wasn't for gravity. Uh, no, no, no. We, we accept that that's just the way it is, and we live within that. Kind of like, you know, rolling a bowling ball down the middle of the thing to hit the pins. And for kids, they put in the bumper guards. So no matter what they do, they're going to hit the pins. Well, in life, yeah, we're trying to keep it between the gutters, right? On the, on the road forward, on the road to something good, that, that sort of thing. All right, um, but in a country that works on how its citizens vote, if there's a situation in that country that would cause anyone who was voting what is best for me instead of what is best for all, anything that would cause those people to all vote for the same thing, I believe absolutely could create a problem. And I believe it has created a problem, and I wanted to explore that a little bit today. All right? Uh, in America, except for uh, black and African Americans, many of whom were forced here, um, also excluding Native Americans, and some others from different situations around the world, most people among the, you know, original in those first couple hundred years came to America for three things. Uh, freedom from excessive taxes, freedom of religion, and freedom from a class state where if you're born into the lower class, there's no way for you to get to the top class. You can't. They don't want you to, and they've arranged it where you can't. And that was the situation, by and large, in Europe when so many of the pilgrims and early settlers came to America to escape that, to, to be free where each person can uh, decide on their religion and God. They can, if they work hard, they can become successful. And there's no glass ceiling limit to where you can get if you have an idea for a better mousetrap and work hard, okay? Uh, and and maybe, maybe your thing is not you know, being some huge success, like the better mousetrap, you become a millionaire or something, but just having a good life. I mean, I'm not rich, but I've, I've got enough money to pay our bills, and we've got a roof over our head. We've got food to eat. We're doing fine. Life is not about money. It's about relationships. So the money's okay. I'm going to focus on what's really important in life, okay? So those are two different ways, to me, um, you can live. 
uh, income tax in America started uh, after the Civil War, and it was actually enacted to pay for the Civil War, which was very expensive. And the rate was 2 to 4%, depending on how much money you made. After the Civil War, they did away with it and then brought it back a number of years later. I think it was 15, 20 years later. And it was a 2% for everyone uh, tax. And that was also for a war. And, and according to a lot of uh, experts out there, the intention with that one as well as the first one, was once the war is paid for, this will be done away with as well. Only that one never was. They never did do away with it as possibly had been intended. It had, it's just increased, 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 increased ever since. And not just for war, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, in the United States, 47% of all uh, adult citizens, of all eligible voters, 47% of all eligible voters pay no taxes at all. Zero. Um, the only way to add anybody to that 47%, okay? So right now we've got 47% who pay no taxes for various reasons, medical issues, uh, poverty issues, um, whatever, all right? Um, but now we've got another person who just turned 18 or 20 and they've got a medical issue or they're living in poverty, but wait a minute, we've already got the 47% that aren't paying anything, uh, which is costing the government from 99 to 199 billion dollars annually every single year, all right? Um, and the only way to add one more person to the welfare roll is to increase taxes, okay? Uh, which is what we've been doing ever since that 2% way back, uh, hundred years ago, all right? And I believe, and, and I've talked to many others, I've researched it, uh, I've spoken to some politicians, uh, etc. But just thinking about all this spiritually, I believe, I believe it creates a voting inequity. A voting inequity. Now, why would I say that? Because the latest polls on those 47% who pay no taxes say that those people will always vote for what continues to pay them money or increase their money or increase their benefits or whatever. So the 47% who are on welfare, all right, they are always going to vote the same way. And it's about one issue, money. At least that's what the polls say. Now, I'm sure it's not 100% of the 47%. But according to the polls, it's 
pretty much all of them. Um, according to the research, those who are unable to work, they're on welfare because they're unable to work, has gone significantly down since 1960 because of all kinds of medical advances, both for extending life to treating illness and disease, to treating injuries, you know, like a hip replacement, knee replacement, shoulder replacement, stuff like that. Um, all sorts of medical advancements that have caused the, the percentage who can't work to go way down. Okay? That's unequivocal. Okay? It, it's a fact. We've got proof. The problem is that in spite of that, the, the number of people on welfare who are claiming they're there because they can't work, even though they can, has gone up instead of down. It should have gone down because of all the medical advances in all these different areas. And in 1960, that number was 0.7%. Okay? 0.7% literally could not work because of medical reasons. All right? Today, in the welfare system, uh, no, in the overall population of America, that number has gone up to point to 5.3% as of 2010, even though it should have gone dramatically down. Now, what could be the reason for that? Fraud. Plain and simple. People applying and getting welfare who do not qualify for it. They are able to work. Um, they're in a situation where legally they don't qualify, but they falsify documents or, or falsify testimony or wherever to the degree that they're successful and get on welfare even though they are perfectly okay to work. And it's estimated that that accounts for 10 to 20 percent, 10 to 20 percent of everyone in the welfare system in America is there by Fraud, according to the research that I've been doing, 10 to 20 percent, which again is costing the United States and the rest of the citizens 99 to 199 billion dollars a year to pay, not for welfare, just for the welfare fraud. And that 99 to 199 billion dollars represents more than at least 15 different budgets of programs designed to help low-income, 
or, or, or people who can't work because of medical conditions. There's all kinds of programs. You've heard of Head Start. There's a whole bunch of those, all right? Well, the fraud, the welfare fraud is costing way more every year than the budgets of these programs designed to benefit people who really do need help. And then the last statistic I'm going to talk about is according to the, to the research, and I believe this was as of uh, 2020, 60% of everyone on welfare, 60% of those who get to a place where they no longer qualify for welfare, 60% of those stay on welfare indefinitely after they no longer qualify for it. And that's in addition to the 10 to 20% fraud. So, um, when, this is a touchy issue, okay? Because I don't know anyone, and I certainly don't, I, I don't know anyone who wants to see someone who has a medical problem for which they can't work or they are impoverished to the degree that they're living and bringing their children up in, in terrible, cruel, harmful poverty. Uh, I don't know anyone who, who says, I don't want to help those people. And I certainly do. And I would pay more taxes to help those people uh, in a heartbeat. Okay, um, and I think they deserve our compassion, our love. Uh, there is one other area I'd like to add that I believe churches should start stepping up and helping these people in a much, much bigger way than they have been. I know the Bible says it's the job of, of Christians and churches to help the elderly, take care of the widows, orphans, prisoners, you know, things like that. And churches have billions and billions and billions of dollars of income every single year, and they spend the majority of it on their building and grounds and staff. Well, what if they put half of that money that they're spending on building and grounds and staff to help people who are hungry or sick that need help. Because there's nowhere in the Bible where it says build a big expensive building or hire 20 people and pay them fifty dollars to $150,000 a year each just to run the business, not the spirituality, the business of the church. I heard one preacher put it one time this way. We have billions and billions and billions of dollars in buildings to worship a God who says, I dwell not in temples made with hands. While at the same time, we have people who are hungry, don't have clean air, clean water, uh, sanitary living conditions. They need medical help, etc. And to me, that's a great tragedy. So I would ask churches to step up, even if it puts a pinch in their building fund or uh, payroll, 
to help these people who are in a desperate life situation now. Okay, but that's kind of a bunny trail. Um, so let me come back. Um, so we, I believe we've got an inherent problem here. Everyone knows Social Security's running out of money, and maybe that's one we'll talk about on another day. And no one seems to have a great solution for that, or at least they don't want to talk about it because it's unpopular. So if they start talking about it, they may not get reelected, so they don't talk about it, all right? But there's a definite problem in America, and everyone I talk to realizes there is, that our taxes are going up and up and up and up and up and up and up in a country where one of the reasons for our very founding was to escape absorbent taxes and to be able to live my life as I want to if I'm willing to work hard and uh, get it done. Okay? So, no problem at all with the people that really need help. But if we could get the people off welfare, the 60% who at some point no longer qualify, but they stay on welfare indefinitely. If we could get that 60% off somehow, and if we could reduce, let's say, the 10 to 20% fraud to 1% or 2%, which several of the research studies I read said if we were really on this, we ought to be able to keep it to 1% or 2%. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars every single year that could go to really help the people that need help without just continuing to raise, 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 raise taxes. Now, a lot of you are going to think I'm a Republican because of this teaching today. I am not. Not at all. Okay? I'm trying to just look at this issue from all angles as an independent. And the biggest issue to me here is a spiritual one. Um, I believe we have created in America a voting inequity where we have got so many people who either do not have to pay any tax at all, or they actually receive their income from the government. There are so many people in that category that it's almost 50% of the whole country, which would mean that whatever that group voted for, they could never be defeated. Okay? Now think about that. All right? Because... If that were the case, according to the study again, those people are making their voting decision based on one factor. Money to them. And my point, although I can, I can absolutely empathize with that, and, and, and I feel that myself. I have to guard against that myself every single day. Am I, am I doing and thinking what is best for everyone in my family and the people that I work with and all, or just what's best for me? And I am committed, and I want to be a person who votes, acts, thinks what is best for everyone. What is win, 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 win with no losers. Uh, other studies have indicated that those 60% 
who now do not qualify for welfare, they can work and really should be, that it harms them psychologically, emotionally, uh, their self-worth and identity. It harms them to continue to take the money for doing nothing when they could be doing something. So those 60% who are staying on after they can work, we're not helping them, we're hurting them. And we need to stop that. The 10 to 20% who are there because of fraud, that is hurting them. We're not helping them by letting them slide on that fraud. We're hurting them. And at the same time, we're hurting other Americans too who are working hard, who are contributing, who are trying to vote and live their life what is best for all, not just what's best for me. So that's what I want to leave you with. It's the spiritual principle here. When you vote, if you vote, in your mind, when you just think about it, are you supporting and will you act in what is best for all concerned or just what is best for you? Um, I think if we could get to a place, I don't know, I'm not saying I know how to get there, but I think if we could get to a place where the majority of us are voting and supporting and talking about and thinking about, hey, I want what's best for the whole country, for all nationalities here, for all ethnic groups here, for all income levels here. I want what's best for all, not just me. I think that's the way the Founding Fathers wrote the Constitution and the first 15 amendments, okay? It was what's best for all, what's best for America, what's best for these colonies, okay? Uh, the wealthy, the poor, all different colors of skin, all different languages that are here. What is best for all? And they called that document the Constitution and then later the first 15th Amendment. Are we violating that now by creating a situation where there is a year in, year out voter inequity completely based on money? and people voting what means more money for me, no matter how it affects everyone else. And, and I know, I know there's millions of people out there that are probably impoverished or have health problems, and that is their belief. They want what's best for all, okay? I know those people are out there. I've, I've met them. But according to the polls, those 47% will always vote based on money and how that impacts them regardless of how it impacts everyone else. And that is fear-based. That is unhealthy. 
to even think that way. All right? It, it, it spikes your stress. Okay? So, where are you? Where are you? When you vote, do you vote for what is best for all or only what is best for you? And I would ask you to prayerfully, meditatively examine that and see if you think you are doing what is right or are you doing what is selfish and wrong. Okay? Uh, and again, I don't, have a, I don't have the solution. I think part of the solution is, is dealing with that 60% and 10 to 20% in a better way so that we can add more people who really need it but get the ones that don't need it out of there without making other people pay for it. And a lot of what they're paying for is fraud and those who no longer qualify. So I, I don't know anyone who has an argument about the people that really need it. I think this is where the rubber meets the road on this issue. And I believe the solution is the spiritual one. One by one, we need to start voting what is best for America, what is best for all concerned, rather than just me. What do you think? Thank you so very much and have a wonderful, blessed day.